Making your way in the world today is really not that hard. Think for one second about the world's worries. Sure would help a lot. You spent too much time away. I want to go to where nobody knows my name. And they could not care less if I came. I want to be where I can see that no one is the same. I want to go where nobody knows who the fuck I am. I want to go where no one knows that no one is the same. I want to go where nobody knows who the fuck I am. Salutations, buddy. That is uh, my Canadian rendition of uh, of Cheers. So, my Canadian inner city rendition of the world Cheers. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the World According to Kyle podcast. As per always, you could catch me on your usual social media forums. YouTube, Kyle Max, slash TWA2K. Uh, Twitter, if I'm not banned from there at kyleverse tiktok kyleverse instagram kylemax86 and reddit twa2k if you have questions or topics that you'd like to see covered on the show slide into one of my fine dm options uh as per right now i am on youtube i am on spotify i am on iHeartRadio. Um, RSS if you'd like to catch me on there also uh, working on getting other platforms uh, cooking so hang tight uh, if you like to listen to me and you want me on one of your platforms and let me know so I can work on one of those first Um, in the meantime I have to ask of you like and share the TWA2K experience with all your friends. So we can get this shit spreading faster and I could get putting out episodes on a weekly basis because it will be worth it for me. I fortunately happen to have this wonderful Saturday off, which is an abnormality uh, from my usual schedule. Usually I'm like working right about now. But it's nice. It's nice to have this Saturday off and to be able to uh, get this pot out uh, to you people. So, uh, without further ado, let's dive into the topics of this TWA2K. Now, um, I wanted to start with that intro to kind of give a little uh, perspective on what it takes to be like a person who wants to move into the city and uh, the type of mentality that uh, that uh, one would uh, have that is attracted to uh, city life and is attracted to, you know, <laughs> not owning uh, a lot of land, and <laughs> not having a lot of square footage, but, you know, Having a lot of people within that square footage and having a lot of things to do uh, within, you know, that square footage. And um, it's always like you see uh, these people who, you know, they didn't necessarily choose to uh, live in the city or they did not necessarily choose to uh, live out in the country. They were just kind of born there and they're almost like opposite um opposite uh parodies they're like parodies of uh of what uh, of what they should be of what somebody who like actively actively chose to uh to live where they where they ended up living you know you ever meet these type of people because like i do (laughs) i do in the city all the time like let me give a city's uh perspective of of um of this type of uh this type of person who you know it's like a person who uh people who did not purposely 
moved to a city, they just ended up living here. They are the type of person who is driving in a smart car and they're hugging the like edge of a lane when a bus is trying to get inside. They're like hugging the um, left-handed edge of the lane while the bus is trying to get into the left-handed turning lane. But they're in a smart car and they have like uh, two feet worth of space to move like anywhere inside of the lane, but they chose to hug the edge of where the bus is trying to uh, pass by at. Like, that's someone who I'm just like, hmm, uh, you know, are you living in the city or is the city living in you? Like, uh, another person, um, another type of person who uh, I I, I question uh, if they, uh, you know, uh, if they are a product of their environment or their environment is a product of them type of deal. Like uh, the type of people who uh, are in the middle of the aisles in the grocery store. Like they are dead planted in the middle of the aisles as if, oh yeah, you know, I'm a uh, 50-year-old chonky uh, woman and um, nobody's going to definitely want to get behind me in this, um, you know two-minute time frame that it's going to take for me to uh, grab a uh, can of uh, spaghetti sauce off of the shelf. No, surely no one will. Oh, wait. Every time it's like, how are you people still fucking alive living in the city at this point being so unobservant of your... Uh, environment around you like i literally don't know how you're still alive right now i don't know how like the like the uh the odds just like don't add up (laughs) just one of the many things just one of the uh the many uh the many things that question maybe you know, it's people who are just always talking, oh, yeah, I love to go camping, and I love to uh, go about the camp life, and every time you are you have a weekend available, you're, you're going camping, but you live in the city. It's like, yeah, you're not, uh, you're not doing what you authentically uh, want to be. That's another reason why I chose that intro and why I choose to do a parody of uh, the Cheers intro is because I feel like I'm in that, you know, I'm in that, uh, you know, I want to be here. I want to be where a lot of people are. I want to be where uh, people just treat you as a uh, as another, you know, one of another, you know, three uh, million people in in this city that's trying to do something. You know, that's. That's appealing to me. I like that. I don't like where, you know, everybody knows your business and you have, you know, very tight-knit circles and, uh, you know, you can't stumble from bar to bar uh, unabashedly and, uh, (coughs) excuse me, and uh, (laughs) meeting people who, you know, you make out with and you know that's your last time you're gonna see them and it's it's really just like uh you know that you know it takes uh, a special kind of person for that to appeal to apparently i am uh one of those people um you know I would rather have lesser acres and have more and have the you know um the whatever's inside of those acres be uh uh you know a little bit uh, uh better more entertaining more appealing <laughs> and uh okay there's another group of people who kind of irritate me who are uh you know not uh maybe not living out to their authentic self by being uh you know where they're not supposed to that's people who like overly rep their uh, home team, yet are very unvaluable towards society otherwise. Like they'll always make sure to uh, wear the you know home squad. They're, they're they're like the type of person that's like decked out in like you know the hat and the 
uh, you know, matching pants and like the t-shirt and like have like the home squad on everything except like, you know, all they really do is kind of floss and all they really do is, uh, uh, stunt and all they really do is kind of, uh, promote and stuff like that. And they're not, you know, always ever since like kind of moving into the city i guess i always kind of am really uh rubbed off by somebody that's over representing uh the city of toronto that i feel like that's all of their identity that they don't have anything else beside <laughs> besides that right so uh you know that's kind of a uh my uh comprehensive guide to people in the city who maybe should not be there who maybe should uh should consider me you know a more uh you know a less populous uh a less populated area type of deal might do you some good if you're like you know I'm just always fucking, I'm always hugging the edge of, like, the uh, aisle at the grocery store because I know some motherfucker's gonna be right next to me trying to get by and, like, you know, it's just like you're not uh, prepared to, or you're not liking the, uh, you know, the constant hustle and bustle of, um, of an inner city. Now, um, I uh, had some great news uh, pass by to me in that um, my favorite type of weed became uh, reavailable from my uh, <laughs> from my dealer. Uh, it is called cereal milk. I don't know if you guys have ever had it before. Uh, but this is like by far my favorite variety of uh, marijuana and um, is like the it's like the goat for me like the goat for me before uh, before I found cereal milk used to be um, white rhino and white rhino was my favorite uh, prior to this but uh, cereal milk has really um, taken the reins and so it is a um it's a hybrid it's a 50 50 and it's very um it's very odorous it's very fragrant it's very pungent uh, it smells like spicy it's like it it's like uh very um uh zesty kind of uh very spicy uh it smell it smells like um not super odorous uh to the point where it's pungent but it's like uh odorous enough where if you have a a, a nugget open that it's very apparent um and the uh one of the distinguishing things about it is that it has a very uh a very good balance of the 50 50 where uh i feel like uh sometimes you know you can smoke a smoke a hybrid and it's uh, like you you know what side it's kind of leaning towards this one is very uh <laughs> is very um subject to interpretation almost it's like uh so it's very orange on the outside but then when you break it up it's like kind of purple on the inside so uh it's it's just a perfect hybrid in my opinion. I remember um, one time me and my friend got it and um, we're on our way uh, to his place which is like half hour away and um, and we smoked it and, <laughs> and he was like thinking like something was wrong with us. He's like, do you hear that? Do you, do you hear that? Hey, do you hear that, Kyle? Kyle, do you hear that? And I'm just like, uh and i kind of heard this like and i thought it was like a bug or something and i'm just like yeah I, I i just don't think it's anything it's like man what's wrong with the car and like we were literally just like fucking tripping out all our way uh all our way home <laughs> from thinking that something may have been uh wrong with the car and like ever since that like so my uh so 
my uh, we ordered that online, and then my dealer over here uh, ended up getting that, and she's like, "Hey, what was that weed that you said you like?" And I'm just like, "Is she's just like, is it cereal milk?" I'm like, "Yeah, it totally was cereal milk. Do you have some?" And she's like, "Yeah," and she got me it, and um, like before when me and my friend smoked it, it was in these like it was a discount bag, and it was in it was in these little nugs, like these little baby nugs like that are like you know less almost like a dime or less in a uh, in circumference and uh uh that you're getting it's like not big nugs like you know not not even a dime like a little less than a dime and you're getting these uh little and me and my friend were smoking this and we're just like this is the greatest weed we ever <laughs> smoked in our life so uh when my friend came and said hey was that weed that you said you smoked uh was that cereal milk? And I'm like, yes. Do you have some? And she's like, yes. And I'm like, normally I get half quarters. And this time I'm just like, give me an ounce. <laughs> because it's just that good. It's just that perfect of a uh, hybrid weed. And, uh, you know, you have to vote with your dollars, right? And uh, lo and behold, like maybe this was like a month and a half or two months later that she like uh you know i got an ounce instead of a half quarter of this shit and then now she's like hey um was it that cereal milk that you liked i'm like yes and uh she had it again and then so again i bought another ounce so um hopefully uh word spreads like wildfire and that this becomes the uh go-to strain of um you know potheads at least around um south uh southwestern or southeastern canada <laughs> and uh <laughs> south central eastern canada and um this starts to kind of be our thing because uh yeah, I fucking love this, uh, uh, love this variety of, uh, weed. It kind of, you know, it hits all, it's hit, it hits all my spots, and it's just like, um, it's just a perfect fucking weed. So if you see this, if you like the, you know, if you like the podcast, if you think like, uh, you know, if you think similar to me, try this weed out, and, uh, and, uh, you know, I don't think you will be disappointed. I think this might be your favorite, which, like, you know, is good to find. Like, I mean, there's thousands of different weeds, so it's good to know when something that you like is really good. So, um, what else has happened, uh, recently? Okay, so, um... You know, I guess there was uh, the Queen's death. The Queen's death happened, which, uh, you know, um, I'm Canadian. So, you know, uh, when the Queen comes to our country, she is still the head of state. We, you know, have a parliamentary uh, system, a parliamentary uh, democracy. So, uh, you know, the... British impact on our life like you know the uh you know the war in 1776 where the Americans the American Revolutionary War where they fought against the British was against this type of um this type of ideal um you know I just want to say one thing about uh about what has happened and I think that uh you know I, I feel this way and I like I want to just come forward and mention that I am like very um, I'm very anti uh, what England is doing right now like uh, in terms of like uh, you know it's embracing of the monarchy uh, and uh, you know they they have their reasons for doing it. I certainly can understand why they do it, but like, you know, it still has, it still has impact and it still has influence 
on my life and on how I live. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like a silly thing. It's kind of like a foolish thing. And you may say that it attracts tourists and it attracts tourist dollars to, uh, to London. And, uh, but you know, at what expense, you know, at what, uh, at what uh, cost is it coming to make to, you know, because I don't believe in kings and queens and I don't believe in uh, monarchies and I don't believe that uh, in rulership. And, uh, and, you know, at the end of the day, it does yield real world life power like the uh, the when, uh, you know, the kids uh, inherited the queen's wealth. Uh, you know, they were not subject to the usual 40%, uh, you know, 40% inheritance tax that uh, normal Brits and normal people from the UK would uh, be subject to uh, based. So, I mean, you and when the queen comes to Canada, she's our head of state and she's who is on our money. So... Um, while I do feel these things and I do feel like modern monarchies are silly and they're a product of pre-democracy and uh, it's foolish to have these sort of ideals uh, and it represents a lot of awful things about our past that we should be um, that we should be wanting to uh, get away from like uh while I can say all this, I can also say that during the uh, Queen's death is probably not the time to be saying those <laughs> just be saying those things. Like I can feel these things and I can uh, have these sorts of opinions, but I, I'm not waiting for the Queen's death to say them. I'm saying them while she's still alive while there's still the power imbalance before there's a transfer of power and saying hey this is uh you know uh you know uh, this guy is gonna take uh power after the queen is dead so it's kind of uh you know i feel like uh you know that maybe the term rest in peace means that after you have died then you're not to blame for the world's problems anymore after you have died then it's up to the people who are still you know then you finally get forgiven for your uh your unless you were like a really big piece of shit like if you if if your death can be uh, it's, I, I feel like there's very few people whose death could be, like, actively celebrated, like, yeah, there, uh, you know, Hitler, or some other, um, dictator, maybe, that you might imagine right now, that, who's, <laughs> that the world would be better off with, without them, uh, inside of it, that would be less, you know, could yield less of a disastrous outcome than if they than if they were you one might you might <laughs> someone who you might imagine uh but i think once a uh, uh in, unless you fall into that sort of category uh that i think that after you've died you're absolved of all of the burden uh of guilt for the world not being a uh, better place than it can be, uh, you know, and that's kind of my my opinion on it, and that's kind of why I stray away from the, um, you know, the grave dancing of sorts that uh, that people do, uh, and I think it's uh, you know. If I could steal a phrase from the Brits, I think it's unbecoming. <laughs> I think it's, um, you know, I think it's a little unbecoming to uh, to do that sort of thing and to kind of let people uh, rest peacefully. And I think that is the uh, uh, that is the ultimate expression of the term. Because after you are uh, gone from the world, then you do not have any uh, blame for why it is. A uh, state of uh, shittiness that it is currently.
And, you know, they wanted to make um, the Queen's death a holiday in Canada. And I did not uh, really jive with that. Like, you know, we have all these holidays already. These family day and this fucking uh, civic holiday. Like, you make all of these days um, stat holidays where I get paid for not going to work for it. But not Halloween. Like... I don't care, really, but uh, I think it's really off-putting to uh, criticize, like, uh, people just if they have died. Like, you know, let them rest in peace. Like, I criticize the monarchy plenty enough. And unless you've done some really heinous shit, upon death you are absolved of all of the world's ills, you know. And I just, like... I think Halloween is like different than the than all of these things and I think Halloween is celebrated by many. I don't think like in Canada like we respect uh I respect the British and I respect uh uh Brits and I think they contribute a lot to uh the world and the global economy and it's a shame that our countries aren't um uh, better allied with each other, uh, you know, but, uh, and, and I respect them more than most European places because, like, I, coming from the West, have, like, a more um, art-based and art-thinking and creative-thinking uh, background than, like, places, uh, most places in Europe that are very technical that are very uh, mathematically uh, thinking and mathematically inclined. And, like, I love Brits because they uh, they produce a lot of great art. And they produce a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, they have a lot of powerful emotions and powerful feelings about how they think the, the world should be and about, uh, and they feel a lot for the world. And uh, that's where I kind of, uh, I have, I, 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 where I love the Brits. But I don't think that they're, um, you know, this, uh, this, uh, their, um, their influence of power is really uh, necessary in, you know, the 21st century. And, uh, you know, it, and it would have been different had, you know, Princess Diana lived. It would have been uh, uh, different had the, you know, had the, you know, uh, Brits not been so, you know, imperialist and had not been so. So it's like, you know, there could have been a, uh, there could have been a, a solution if things played out a different way or they could have yielded more power but like how are you still like supposed to be a global superpower and yet you have you have a monarchy like which is like absolutely ridiculous and the you know the reasons why you know um why britain is a uh it is a superpower. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with more the, uh, you know, the British people in that they're very intellectual, they're very artful, they're very soulful. Uh, it, you know, they, you know, they love sports, like stuff like that. Like, I mean, it, it, and, uh, you know, they're, um, they're de you know, their desire to embrace right from wrong. Like, it's stuff like that. It's not, uh, I really think that uh, the, you know, the monarchy is like a lost leader for Britain at this point. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, but that's the stuff that you're supposed to say, you know, during the time when power is yielding its influence. You're not supposed to say that when uh you know immediately after someone has died it's it's very trashy i would say to uh to have to you know dance on a grave like you don't you you don't need to do that you don't need to dance on a grave you can um you can wait and you know if it wasn't worth if it wasn't worth speaking against before somebody has died, then you probably shouldn't be doing it when somebody has died because it's just, uh, 
you know, is death not enough of a uh, circumstance <laughs> to be, you know, uh, forgiven for your impact and influence on the world? I don't know. Maybe that's just me. All right, now uh, let's uh, let's switch over a little bit to uh, some football talk. And uh, I think last time I uh, made a pod, it was before the football football season started. And man, it is uh, it is wild, man. The um, I think football's in such a great place. I think the NFL's in such a great place with uh, the new and young talent and uh, the level of talent and the dynamic of the teams and uh, all, and all this stuff. And I know I was very hard on the Bengals preseason uh, Super Bowl odds, but um, they've kind of uh, hit a... Super Bowl hangover of sort, um, not to sound too narrative-like, but, uh, you know, do I mind having my money in 20 to 1 uh, with them? Absolutely not. Uh, is this uh, panic time? No. If they lose a game, will it be panic time? Yes. Uh, have I seen issues that uh, need to be resolved? Yes. Uh, do I think that they cannot be resolved? No. So, uh, yeah. It's uh, and you know what? I think um, the entire offensive line gets too uh, too much of the flack for this. And uh, from what I have uh, from what I've seen and from what I've researched uh, in terms of number wise, is that it's not the uh, it's not the inside's fault. It's the out it's the outside that's letting us down. That uh, you know, which would make sense. It's the edge defenders that are uh, not pulling their weight. It's the edge, um, you know, again versus the. Uh, it's, it's sorry. It's it's the, yeah. The defenders of the edge rush is the are the ones the ones on the bookend of the offensive uh, on the offensive line. The um the guards, I think, I believe. And uh, they're the ones who are not uh, not producing well, according to PFF, that the inside is good, which would make sense because Burrow's stepping in to his pockets. He's not bootlegging. He's not coming outside. Maybe it's just because he's so worried about, um, about uh, the edge rush. And um, now... I've been very critical of Zach Taylor in this uh, in this last two games, and I just want to clarify my position: is that I like I think that he is not you. I think like for a, say with the Dallas game last week, uh, I think for a coach to not have uh, and you've seen Mike McCarthy with Dallas, how with Cooper Rush he was able to construct. This perfect set of like first, you know, 16 drives that would guarantee get them in the end zone. Like, Bengals are, Bengals defense looks great. Let me be honest. Their defense looks incredible. Their defense looks uh, playoff level. The offense does not. And I think a large part of it is the not coming out to a good enough start and to uh, letting us get behind too early. For us to have a. For us to have uh, only three points in the first half against Dallas is there's no excuse for that. There's no excuse for that. There's no excuse for for not ten points at half versus Dallas. Okay, let's just throw that out of the goddamn window. There's there's no excuse for that. And ninety nine percent of the reason why they were uh, Dallas was able to shut us down was predictable play calling, and was just this: uh, you line up a certain way, and we expect that, and that's what we're playing against. And situational understanding of, on the defensive side of that is what what our what our guys are planning on doing and you've seen it because in the second half 
when they uh when they did play action on on a second and uh mid or second and long and it was open every time and they got 20 to 30 yard gains that's where you make your bread and butter they want you to do the expected thing i do not know how zach taylor came from the Sean McVay and fucking Kyle Shanahan and Mike Shanahan coaching tree when he plays, when he coaches his guys so fucking timid and expects them to win the predictable matchups. You can have the best guys in the world doing the most basic football things if you are not mixing it up a bit and not keeping the defense on their toes. Then that gives a uh, then then that gives the defenders such an advantage because they know what to expect and they will scheme against it. And the one time that you're you're selling out, you're selling out the and you're uh, that you're gonna that you're gonna do the basic thing, the basic predictable thing, so that you can do. One, you can do one out of ten will be an unpredictable, crazy play, but it won't be worth it in the end because you're all you're already going to be behind from the times you didn't do it. So you might as well at least be 50 50 when it when it comes to uh, first down. You should be 50-50 whether it's going to be a run or a middle pass or a deep pass. It it should be 50-50. And it doesn't matter the scheme you're running. Hayden Hurst has been great as a tight end. You can keep him as a blocker and you can run him out. Like, we're thinking too linearly with the play calling. We're not, you like, how did you come from, uh, how did you come from a Shanahan system? How did you come from a McVeigh system? And you're not using motion to be able to identify the scheme that the defense is running. How are you not using motion to throw off the defenders and, uh, change up what you're doing? How are you not, uh, how are you not, to have the talent that Cincinnati has and to come up with three points in the first half of football when the defense doesn't know what to fucking expect from you is unacceptable. That is an unacceptable start with the guys that you have to just go three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out. No. That is fucking unacceptable. That is absolutely unacceptable. So, I really hope we uh, we can write this ship, and uh, we can, we can, we have the talent to do it. The defense is playing incredible. Um, you know, and Burrow is not to is not not to blame. Uh, plenty of the sacks were part of were uh, uh, his fault. Because of, uh, you know, I found that the for the most part he was stepping into pockets that he should have been rolling out into. But, I mean, that comes with, like, not having trust in your outside. And, like, literally, if we just figure out the outside offensive line, we're in such a good position. We're in such a good position. And, um, you know, they said we faced the two greatest um, edge rushers in uh that we could possibly have faced um and we still were in three points of each game yeah but we need to get that figured out because in the playoffs we are going to face one of those guys what are the odds in the playoffs we don't we don't face one of those guys i know it's not frank pollock and maybe it's taking a while for the offense to gel but we need to schematically be doing better things to put our guys in in position and doing when they when they just know what we're running and uh, are being able to react off that and not that then that is not a we need to have some element of unpredictability and mixing it up and using motion to uh, to force the defense to have to react to us instead of the offensive line having to react to what the defense is doing. 
and make sure you have quick outs and quick dump-offs. You have Jamar Chase. You have Joe Burrow. Have the quick option and have the quick route. You don't need to wait so long for plays to develop. Just get your ball in the hands of these guys. So, my not worried uh, lever is probably at about, you know, a three. If they lose this game, it'll be at a five. And I still think they can rally off some wins and end up like, and end up like, uh, you know, five and four, or end up like, uh, you know, five and three. I think they can do that. So, they just got to, uh, I just really want to see the development from the coaching and the understanding of situational football. And that one, the one thing where Zach Taylor, where Jamar Chase scored a touchdown I seen it was a touchdown, and I raised my hands that it was a touchdown. And Zach Taylor rushed the guys to the line, thought he had a beat on the defenders, and did the most predictable play call you could have possibly done in that situation and lost five yards because of it and did not even challenge the what was a touchdown. So, I don't know. Uh, if you're... Con- <laughs> <laughs> at least uh my crypto calls have been better than my one um than my one preseason uh Super Bowl future. So you know, maybe one comes at the expense of the other. Maybe that's a situation we're having here. Um But yeah, speaking of crypto, I mean uh you know, everyone keeps telling me, hey, uh this is a bear market. This is a bear market. <clears throat> Apparently, uh, my portfolio didn't get the memo. Um, apparently, <laughs> apparently, the only fucking two things that have uh, gained in uh, the past two days have been like the assets that are my top two uh, that were my top two plays. So. <clears throat> Hopefully you guys have been listening uh, to to my um, my not financial advice provided on uh, TWA2K because QNT and XRP are looking fucking bullish as ever, and uh, I it, they're looking so bullish that uh, I posted the meme where I had. Uh, Master Splinter with the Younger Ninja Turtles and Master Splinter was BTC and the Younger Ninja Turtles were alts and now the older Ninja Turtles are alts and the, and the old, old, old uh, Splinter is uh, BTC and we're carrying him to the finish line. That's that's what I feel right now because I, uh, you know, despite the bear market, Despite the bear market, my coins, my top two coins are looking, they're not like at pre-bear market levels, but they're pretty damn close. They're within 25% each of uh, pre-bear market levels, which is fucking amazing considering uh, everything is... uh, is go is going up in uh, in the shitter, you know? so it's all, it's all right. I th- I like the I like the position that I'm in, and I like the uh, and I like the assets that I have. And um, if anything, I would have um, isolated onto Quant and XRP more and ignored uh, less. But I like having a little bit of a mixed bag and a little bit of mixed leverage into a bunch of different coins. You know. Um, I did not anticipate Bitcoin being a, uh, a complete fucking like snail's pace climber or just losing so much value, but I thought it, I didn't think it couldn't not happen. So I was prepared for it and I made sure my, the bulk of my money was on the ISO 20022 and the things that I thought were going to be the future because I, I, what's happening right now, what is happening right now with XRP and quant 
I uh, I wasn't not expecting it. I wasn't not expecting it. This isn't. This is not outside of my uh, expectation realm. Let's just say. And I've seen a lot of guys right now. Um, here's what I get annoyed by: is fucking guys who are cheerleading another Great Depression. They're just like, oh, we haven't seen this sort of uh, EMA since the uh, on the uh, Dow Jones since the last Great De Depression. It's like, a, we've seen a uh, significant drop when the COVID happened. When COVID happened, there was a massive sell-off, and it was a unprecedented sell-off, and it would it didn't make sense. Now we're bouncing back from this. And you want to just be like, oh, yes, this is a recession. You must say it is a recession despite all this like short-term um, short evidence of, uh, of down market trends. Um, you know, I just get the feeling like people are cheerleading for another Great Depression. It's like, yes, let's go, let's go. Uh, it was like, hey man, like, what are you doing? You're, uh, you're, you're cheerleading for this, the, the worst thing that has happened since World War II. It was like, yeah, but the dips would be awesome. I mean, like, how fucked up in the head are you? Like, the dips will be non-existent because your ass will be, um, in a forced military camp, uh, having, um, you know meals that are uh given that are given to you in conscription scenario where there's a world war three and constant uh bombardment of uh nukes on uh the topography of earth what is uh you know i think that is a little more of a problem than um you know not being able to buy dips at quite the level that you want to but you know that's just me um that's just me and uh you know investing in crypto is such a is such a you know i talk about it a lot and it's important but it's not more important than like the fate of the world that you know we should be invested in the right stocks but that is contingent on us not destroying ourselves as a fucking species and i think one thing that you can really uh use as an indicator to uh pinpoint towards the decline of uh decline of uh our prior norms let's just say is uh do you guys see in the weekend um <clears throat> there was a uh, guy at the tennis match and you know tennis is not boring enough so every single match you have to go and protest and there has to be some co some sort of protest so this guy um lit his arm on fire and, uh, you know, it was kind of like he lit his, like, forearm on fire and was really not liking it. Like, this is like, you know, have you seen the Rage Against the Machine album cover for the Rage Against the Machine album title? How it was the uh, Vietnamese uh, monk who lit himself completely on fire in... Uh, you know, in protest of like, you know, the anti-Buddhism and the capitalism and, uh, you know, that's what, what the guy did at the tennis match that that's coming up short. You know, that what like why, why just let light your hand on fire? You clearly don't care as much as, the, <laughs> you, you know, you're protesting climate change, but, you know. Either, either, either come correct or don't they, so that they can, you know, now you know what's going to happen, right? Is that someone is going to say, oh, well, they don't make them like they used to. Even with the protesters, <laughs> even with the protesters, you know, they used to light themselves completely on fire. Now it's just an arm. Now it's just an arm, <laughs> you know, and it's just like, if you're not going to do it, 
completely, then fucking don't do it at all. Just go out and refuse to move on the court. But this guy, like, looked... He looked so... Uh... So fucking uh, hurt by the uh, uh, by the lighting of his forearm that there's no way this motherfucker was willing to die for climate change. I, I you know I really do not believe that that is somebody who was willing to die for climate change. Um, and good for him. <laughs> I'm clear. I'm clearly not either. But I don't. You know I. Uh, I don't think it might just be something that um, we are not going to be able to control. What if uh, what if that's a case? What if we do all this shit that everybody uh, thinks is going to help and we were fucked anyway? Um, That's kind of maybe the vibe that I'm getting. Uh, What if like there's an N2 Nova event? And lots of evidence is pointing to the fact that there will be a uh, solar disturbance, uh, one that will wipe out all of electricity on the planet, and uh, a lot of species will die. And, um, oh, spoiler alert, uh, by the way, (laughs) is that where... (laughs) That all of the signs uh, point to the fact that uh, we will experience this within the next 100 years, before the next century, that we are going to experience a solar event uh, and the, uh, the radiation could destroy um, a lot of species on the planet and a lot of uh, civilization as we know it now. There ha- And that... Maybe this is the reason why things are happening so crazy, and that climate changes, and that we don't really have an uh, have an effect on it, and that. But all that being said, is like I don't think having a I don't think that making these changes and making the uh, Earth a better place and making the Earth more habitable is a is a is any kind of downside, but. We have to prepare for the worst, and the worst is that maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe uh, we could do all these things, in that uh, we're still fucked. Then what do we do? Um, but that being said, I mean, I think there's. Uh, I think we want to keep population beneath 10, 10 billion. I think we want to uh, have eco-diversity i think we want to not pump too much like the thing is for us to not be on um for us to not be on electrical cars right now is very like you want to take away my fucking plastic straws from uh and force me to suck uh bamboo paper straws and not and not have your uh cars uh on renewable energy is fucking one of the most backwards um is one of the most backwards rationalities i've uh <laughs> ever encountered in uh in my existence on this earth but you know i just think that you know if you're gonna light yourself on fire at least go for it all the way like we are a we are desensitized to violence we are uh desensitized to our even own uh our own environment and our own uh uh life sake i mean we might as well fucking uh go all the way you know we might as well fucking go there (laughs) well like what what you know what is uh a you know what is stopping us from um from going fully fully out there and uh the last thing i wanted to bring up today on uh your hour of power your twa2k is people who abuse the point of no return while driving 
Now, uh, this is something that is like particularly uh, getting under my skin. Now, one of my friends uh, brought this up as a concept uh, to me. In that when I was like driving them, we would like... Uh, I'm not driving right now, but uh, when I, ha I had a car like a couple years ago. And um, I was... Uh, and uh, I would drive to like our camp outings or stuff like that. And um, when I was hitting like a, a yellow and I was going through a yellow, uh, the friend would like say to me, oh, the point of no return. I didn't hear at first. And they was like, wait, what, what are you saying? What are you saying? And she's just like, the point of no return is like once you hit that, you know, once you hit that, uh, point there's no coming back from that and that you've made your decision and that you've made your uh your choice i was like wow that is a fucking great uh that is a great fucking philosophy that is a great uh that is a great way to go about your uh life and it's one of the reasons why I feel like uh, the song "Taxis Here" by Tame Impala is one of my favorites. Is because I th I love that uh, that concept and that idea of you know going to and reaching a place where there is a decision for you to make. That decision for you to make is very apparent, and you will lose one path and gain another path on uh on arrival of that decision and that is a point of no return folks that is the um that is when you are reaching a point where you will either go in one direction or you will go in another you will either stop for that you will either stop for that light or or you will sp you will go and you will go through it and no matter what you do, that is it. It's fascinating. It's fascinating how uh, I love that. Uh, I love that sort of thing where there's like, uh, you know, n not that I love. I mean, you know, they're very trying, I'm sure, when you're going through them. But uh, those decisions compel me where there, you know, sometimes like uh, you're extra attuned to your uh surroundings and uh you know you reach a point where you're just like either i can do where just everything filters completely everything kind of um funnels to a point completely where it's like either you make this one choice or you make this other and your life is going to be completely different according to which choice you make <laughs> and either you say you know, yes to this person or you say no and the outcome of your life is completely is completely changed and you know it and you know that the direction of your life is completely is completely contingent on this decision and what you're going to do inside of this moment and that's what I feel like the song Taxis Here by Tame Impala is about and uh i fucking love that song as uh like as a song that not many people bring up and uh uh reverting back to the uh initial uh catalyst for this conversation was the point of no return is that too many people are abusing this point of no return while driving like i see you know while i'm driving it's like uh these people Who's like, oh, I'm uh, in the left turning lane. How it says, go left if you're in this left lane. And I got the right signal on. And I'm the front car in the in the lane. But I'm just going to say, hey, no. The, I say no. That I, I do not accept that. That is not a place that you can be without being in a fault. And that you have to turn left in that scenario. And... Uh, uh, block around and go back around and uh, and then go the other way even if it means going right down a highway and then going back uh, left down the other way 
and that you've you've passed the point of no return at that point when you're the front of a left-handed turning lane and uh and the it and the arrows pointing left you gotta turn left and that's it because you've already gone too far you've already made your decision i do not and same thing uh with people who end up in crosswalks i do not understand how you end up in crosswalks you've passed the point of no return and you have to turn at that point and you have to go through at that point there's no such thing as as being uh in the middle of a crosswalk because it's not an acceptable point to be you have to either you have to have made that decision that you're going or the decision that you're staying there's no there's no uh justification for being in the middle anyways i hope you had a fantastic time ladies and gentlemen that was the world according to kyle podcast i hope you had a good one and i will see you on the next time later everybody